Grab your Bibles, turn to Exodus 14. It's been a while since, uh, honestly, it's been a while since I think I've preached an Old Testament text, and I don't say that with a disregard toward it. I say that with a regard toward the fact that I believe that there's so much in the New Testament that uh, is so rich, but I want you to think about this as likewise in the same way with this text in Exodus. Exodus chapter 14, uh, we're digging into one of the I would say richest, most promising texts uh, for us to progress forward. And if you notice, our new series is called Moving Forward. Um, there's kind of been a theme today, and I think it fits rather well. Number one, that the battle belongs to the Lord in our song, that, that God is the one who takes care of the battles that we don't have to fight. Uh, he's going to be the one who fights for us. Number two, he is our lighthouse. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel, sorry, were led out of Egypt... Um, they fired a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, kind of the same attitude or aspect in which we follow our, Jesus as our lighthouse, uh, and then we proclaim who he is and what we believe. So Exodus chapter 14, and let me give you a little bit of a context as we jump in. If you know anything about what happens, the Israelite people were led into slavery to the Egyptians. They were enslaved to the Egyptian people for over 430 years. Um, baking and making bricks and mortar and building buildings and, and things like that. At the time, the Egyptian empire was one of the strongest, most powerful empires in the world. And the Israelite people, just a small group of people, they say numbering in possibly the 1.5 to 2 million range total, were enslaved to them. Uh, and for 430 years, uh, they were living in bondage, uh, trying to worship the Lord, following the, 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 the Lord and what he was accomplishing or what he was trying to accomplish through that. But at the same time, they were enslaved to the people of Israel or to the people of Egypt, enslaved to Pharaoh. And what we see throughout the first part of Exodus is where Moses is risen or, or Moses rises up as the leader. He, he, he comes in, he tells Pharaoh, hey, you got to let my people go. We're going to go worship. Pharaoh says, no. They send the 10 plagues. The Lord sends the 10 plagues. We obviously know the 10th plague being the, the death of the firstborn and the death of the firstborn. Uh, as a result of that, uh, Pharaoh, his heart was softened. If we'd say that, I would say his heart was just uh, controlled at this point by God. God, he throws the doors open, tells the people of Israel, get the heck out of Dodge. I don't want to see you anymore. Right? Like, I mean, if you were to experience this and, and play this out in your life, you would understand what's going on. Pharaoh's like, I don't want to do this. And in, in, in Exodus chapter 13, as we jump into Exodus 14, again, giving you the context, I want you to understand what's taking place. I believe that God has so much more in store for each one of us personally, as well as the church. I believe wholeheartedly that God has more in store for his people for the people who are followers than we oftentimes experience, for the people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, I believe that he has more in store for your life and for my life, for the life of the church, than oftentimes we're willing to step into and pursue or proceed after, right? We're willing to settle. Matter of fact, it's one of the things that drives me nuts. I hate settling. If you know anything about me, you're going to know that you either do it right the first time or you what? You don't do it right? Like, I can't, people who only go halfway in life absolutely drive me batty, right? Like, like I, we, we're just going it, to, it, it's all or nothing. Like, I would rather you do nothing and, and just be good with doing nothing than do something and only go halfway and go, well, that's good enough, 
right? I, it just, it, it drives me nuts. And I believe wholeheartedly, listen, that this is one of the things that oftentimes plays out in our life is we're like, well, that's a good enough. That's good enough in my life. That's good enough in my spiritual walk. That's good enough in obedience. It's just a good enough all the way around. But I believe wholeheartedly that God has so much in store for all of us, for those here in our church, for churches around the world, for churches around the United States. God has so much more for all of us than what we oftentimes experience. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis, or sorry, Exodus chapter 14. We're going to read some sections of Scripture, and we're going to unpack very simple. Exodus 14 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, listen to this, I love this, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And then listen to what God says, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Now, I'll give you a little bit of what's going on. The Israelite people were told to leave. They begin to pursue or they begin to leave. They're they're leaving Egypt as they're walking down. They're going to the southeast. They're heading to cross the Red Sea. As they're heading southeast, all of a sudden, God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to take them kind of back north a little bit. It's going to look like they're going back towards the Egyptians, and they're going to go north, and they're going to be just east of Ramesses, the, the capital city of, at the time, Egypt, and, and that's where Pharaoh would have been. And so they begin to do this as they're moving out, getting ready to go into the area that the Lord's going to take them, and it believe, they believe that Pharaoh, or Pharaoh believes now, that they're confused. These people who have been in captivity for 430 years don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know top from bottom. They don't know east from west. Now, most men would say that's most of their wives. I say that cautiously because my wife knows left, right, but east, west is one of those things that is oftentimes a thing. But Pharaoh's looking at the people going, these people don't know squat. They're confused. And listen to me when I say this. There are a lot of people, I believe, who look at Christians right now and they go, you're confused. The way you're walking, the way you're supposedly obeying, the way you act, what you say, how you treat others, what you do plays out in a huge way for those who are outside, who don't know who Jesus is. And listen, it's going to confuse or it's going to seem as confusion to some of those. But listen. I believe wholeheartedly this, that so many come into a relationship with Jesus and they believe this, that when I come into a relationship with Jesus, I'm not going to have any problems. I'm not going to have any pain or suffering. I'm not going to have any fear that my life is going to be completely fixed, that I'm not going to deal with struggles and temptations, and I'm not going to face any mountains or hurdles I have to overcome when that is completely false. And so today's sermon title is this whole idea of moving forward with the Lord. In order to overcome all of those things, pain, suffering, fear, problems, difficulties, struggles, mountains, all of those things, we have to move forward with the Lord. And so what I wanted to do was to jump into Exodus 14. This is the people being delivered out from slavery. And I want you to remember this. If you remember anything else, here's the big statement for today. It's always easier returning to what you know 
rather than moving on into an unseen future. It is always easier to return to what you know rather than moving on into an unseen future. And if you want to write anything out, I want you to write this down. Follow God anyways. See, the past is always easy, right? Why? Because we've already experienced everything that's gone on. In the past, we can look back and go, I remember when. As a matter of fact, churches are guilty of this. If we just went back and did things like we did in the past, God would still move. No, that's not true at all. The past is always great to remember, always great to, to, to celebrate what God has done. But God may or may not work in the same way. God delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, through crossing the Red Sea. How many times did that happen? Just once. But God delivers his people out of slavery and out of slavery to sin by crossing the great Red Sea of death through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the crazy thing, that baptism, we oftentimes look at baptism and we think about baptism and what it is and what it represents and we follow Jesus' baptism. But when the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea, it was like a baptism. Crossing from death to life. So listen, I wanna, I wanna cover four things that I believe are lessons learned from this Exodus. Four things that are lessons learned from the Exodus. Number one, the Lord directs our steps. Listen, when we obey him. The Lord directs our steps when we obey him. Exodus chapter 14, verses one through four. He tells the Israelites what to do, where to go, how it's gonna be, how it's gonna play out. And as a result, they're being obedient. They're leaving Egypt. They're starting to go to the southeast. It would kind of like being like, I'm gonna head towards Sykeston. And all of a sudden, the Lord comes in and goes, now I want you to go back toward Jeff City. Well, I'm halfway to Sedalia, Lord. That's all right. Go back up towards Jeff City. Why? It's going to create confusion because now the Egyptians are going to pursue you and I'm going to receive the glory. The Lord directs your steps. The Lord is the one that when we follow him in obedience, he's going to direct our steps. The people of Israel, listen, would have been taking that southeast route from Ramesses and all of a sudden now they're going to be going back up to the north. As the people of Israel are marching out, listen, Pharaoh has a change of heart. Through the Philistine country, if the people of Israel would have left going directly east or actually northeast, they would have traveled through the, the Philistine country. And listen to what God says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. It says, when, the, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Did you just hear what he said? He didn't take them the shortest route. Why? Because they might find a difficulty that they're not willing to try and face through the Lord, and they're going to do it on their own power. And in doing it on their own power, they're willing to go back. Do you realize that sometimes the shortest road isn't the best road? Sometimes it means doing the right thing, not the easy thing. Sometimes it means being obedient to God regardless of what everybody else outside says. And in order to do that, we have to begin to understand that the shortest route isn't always the best route. 
The best route is being obedient to God. The Lord directs our steps when we obey him. Listen, the Lord works for the good of the people as well as for his glory. We just sang about that. I will sing of the goodness of God. That God, in the midst of this life struggle, in the midst of this mountain that I face, that I know your goodness is going to be coming and pursuing after me. So he says that. The Lord directs our steps when we obey him. Listen to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. In a heart, or in his heart, a, man's, a, a man plans his course. Like, anybody ever been there? I, I saw somebody post on Facebook recently this week. If you were to have your childhood job, the thing that you dreamed of as a child, what would you be? And, of course, I was like, fighter pilot. Of course, I'd be retired now. I'd be too old. They'd be like, you're out of the Navy, bro. Get out. <laughs> you know, but... but a fighter pilot. Listen, again, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. The shortest route isn't always the easy route. The shortest route isn't always the obedient route. The Lord is going to do what he needs to do. So listen, it says this, he hardens Pharaoh's heart. This is important to understand and, and unpack. We looked at uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 4, but I want you to see that not only in verse 4, but in verse 8 and in verse 17 of Exodus chapter 14, we see the statement where the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. Now, I believe a lot of people think, well, that's just mean. That God hardened his heart. But let me clarify kind of how things work. It says in the Bible that, that our heart is deceitful above all things, right? Who can understand it? The Lord does. But it also says that God gives us the, the, the freedom, the choice, in order to make decisions that will allow us to either be obedient to him or to run headlong into sin. And what I believe is that the Lord just allowed Satan or, or Pharaoh's heart to harden on his own because Pharaoh chose sin over God. If you think about it, God showed himself faithful over and over and over again. Ten different times he showed himself to Pharaoh, and ten different times what happened? Pharaoh denies. Not going to believe it, not going to believe it. It's got to be something else. Not going to believe it, not going to believe it. And as a result, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. It's turned over to sin. And we see that throughout Scripture, that when people continue to rebel against God, that God will eventually turn them over to their sin, even to the point, listen to me, what happens when the Israelites allow sin to go on in the camp? They spend 40 years wandering in the desert, don't they? So it's important for us to understand what takes place when we deal with sin. But listen, as the Lord directs our steps, we have to continue to march on boldly. Why? Because the Lord directs our steps when we obey him. So he says in chapter 14, verse 8, listen to what he says. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites. Now listen to what he says. Who were marching out what? Boldly. Boldly. In obedience to what God had called them to do. God told them to go to the southeast. As they're going to the southeast, now he redirects them. He sends them back up just a little bit further north. But they're marching on boldly, knowing that they're walking in a desert area. They're walking into an area trying to be obedient to what God has called us to. Listen to me. Difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. And so you can look at your life and you can say, man, I might have one of the most difficult roads I've ever seen. 
but it may lead to a beautiful destination. Matter of fact, this is coming from a Wyoming boy who loves to be up in the mountains. Do you want to know some of the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen or some of the most difficult roads to get up? Matter of fact, if you want to go in some of those areas, you're going to need either a four-wheeler or an ATV, or sometimes you might just need horseback, or you just hike. Difficult roads oftentimes lead to the most beautiful destinations, and that's exactly what happens with the people of Israel. The Lord is leading them out, and he wants them to obey him. And listen, so the Lord directs our steps when we obey him. Number two, what's a lesson learned? Number two, the enemy will pursue you. You have to keep your eyes on the Lord. The enemy will pursue you. You have to keep your eyes on the Lord. Here's what I'm talking about. Most of the times, people walk in and go, I gave my life to Jesus. Everything should be great. That's not always true. Why? Because the enemy is pursuing you. Sin is crouching at your door. The Bible is very clear that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And likewise, what we see in this text is the the, the Egyptian people are pursuing after the Israelite people, the people of God, because they want to put them back into slavery. But it says that they were marching out boldly. Listen, as the enemy approaches, fear strikes at the heart of the Israelite people. And rightfully so. I mean, if you could imagine the, one of the most powerful armies in the world, and it says what he did. He got his chariots, he got his charioteers, his best soldiers. Listen to what he says. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, all the other. So he's got 600 of his best and then all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the, king, the, Pharaoh, the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that they pursued the Israelites. So listen, the enemy is going to pursue you. He's going to keep on the move. He's going to go after you no matter how hard and no matter how often we cry out to the Lord, we have to have confidence in him. That's what's playing out. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord, that when I face the difficulties, when I face the fact that I know the enemy is pursuing me, then I cry out to the Lord. Then I seek the Lord's direction and what he wants to do. That's how it plays out. Listen, in moments of fear, when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place where there's nowhere to turn, I want you to ask yourself this question. Whose power and strength am I really leaning on right now? Because I know, listen, as, as a person who's, who's a hard work and pick your, your, your boots up by whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Pull up your boots, by your straps, whatever. I'm, I'm brain dead right now, all right? As a person who is like that, we oftentimes rely on our own power. It's like, I got this, we're good. When the truth of the matter is that we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. Why? Because in every situation, every circumstance, every struggle, every difficulty, when I keep my eyes on the Lord, I see how he works. Why? Because he is the one who determines my steps. Listen at what takes place. Look at the default reaction of the people, and I think it's important. So we're in Exodus 14, verse 9. Listen to what it says. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, they pursued the Israelites and began to overtake them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haroth, opposite of Baal-Zephon. And as, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. 
And listen to what it says. They were terrified and what? Yeah, but listen to how they cried out. They cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us in the desert to die? And I love how we always like to point blame at other people. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Moses, you moron. We had it good back there. Last I checked, you were slaves. You brought us out of Egypt to die. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now listen to what happens with the Israelite people. Because what they did is they took their eyes off their Lord and they put their eyes on their what? Situation. And they looked at the mountain before them and they were like, there is no hope, there's no possibility, there's no way forward. We could have just went back. We, we should have went back. And anytime we look at the past, we learn from the past, we grow from the past, we gain knowledge from the past, but we don't want to relive the past. Why? Because it takes away the opportunity of what God wants to do in your future. That's why when I deal with people who have, have addictions and problems and struggles and difficulties, they're always like this, this, this. And listen, you may be an addict. One of the things that we've had with guys who come in, I always say ex-addicts. And they're like, once an addict, always an addict. I struggle with that. You want to know why? Because that's denying the very power of God of what works in. Yes, I understand you were an addict. Yes, I understand you're going to be dealing with that the rest of your life. But let me tell you something. Jesus makes you new. You can't dwell in your past. You remember your past. You learn from your past. And you move into the future of what God wants to do for you and in you and through you. Why? Because his future is brighter than you're giving yourself credit for. Matter of fact, I say it this way. I believe it's easier to stay enslaved and go back to the past than it is to move forward. It's always been that way. It's easier to stay enslaved and go back and dwell on the past than it is to move forward. Moving forward brings uncertainty. Moving forward brings questions and struggles. Moving forward brings doubt. Moving forward takes trust and faith. Whereas if when I live in the past, I can just continue to do what I've always done and get the same result. Number three, lesson learned. Number three, we must stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. Here's what I love. This is my favorite verses of all of this section of, of Exodus 14. Listen to what happens. Remember, the people have just cried out. We'd have been better to go back to Egypt. And Moses answers the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never see, you will never see again. And then I love verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be what? Still. Now that is counterproductive to everything that we know, isn't it? The harder I work, the more reward I get. The harder I, I, I push forward, the harder I fight against those who are standing against me, the more I push back against it, the more I'm going to gain ground, the more I'm going to gain... No, what's he say? You need to be still and you need to fight. And how I fight, I believe, goes back to the very first song we sang today. When I fight, I fight on my what? Knees. With my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you.
The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Now, let's put this into context. 600 chariots plus all the other chariots of Egypt are riding up your tail end on a dusty dirt road out in the middle of nowhere and you don't know where you're going and you got over a million people walking along and you see the chariots coming. Let's be realistic if I'm an Israelite. God, that's great, but you got to do something and you got to do something quick. And so lesson number three is this. We must stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. This is the beauty of what takes place. Fear often distorts our memories and it arouses our passions and our desires and our thoughts. We allow fear to overtake us. As a matter of fact, over the last year to year and a half, I would even say even longer, that fear has become a a thing that drives most Christians bonkers. We have seen an increase in depression, anxiety, worry, fear, struggles. Many have walked away from the church. Many have doubted God's goodness, God's kindness, God's leadership, and God's direction. And can I tell you just a way that I think about this? It's like being risen again. It's like Jesus walking in and saying, rise up, get up, you're alive. And it's like, woohoo, I'm alive, and you still walk around in the grave. Instead of walking out of the tomb, it's like, I'm alive, look at me, I'm alive, woohoo. And you walk around, but you're still stuck in the grave. Matter of fact, eight years ago, we came to this church. And let's be honest, it was one of those most nerve-wracking things. For those who have been here all eight years, you know. But to walk into a church that was near dead, less than 20 people, 20 maybe max, I believe this wholeheartedly, and please hear me out with this, that I believe that the Lord has resurrected the church, and he does that all around the place. But I also want to call us as a church to get out of the grave. It's time to move out of the grave. Yes, we're resurrected. Yes, Jesus wants to do great work. Yes, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Yes, Jesus is the one who builds it. But yes, we've got to walk out of the tomb. You're alive in Jesus Christ. This church is alive in Christ as a result of what Jesus has done with his death on the cross. What he offers us is life and life more abundantly. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes and gives us life and life more abundantly. So we must stand firm and look to the Lord's salvation. And here's what's crazy about this. Listen, listen to lesson number four. Obedience leads to victory, Right? And I'm going to challenge you. Go home and read this whole section of Scripture. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of close out with this because I want us to read through this. Listen to what happens in verse 15. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to what? Move on. Move forward. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of Pharaoh, third time, of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen, then, listen to us, I love this part. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew, withdrew and went behind them 
The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night. Do you hear what just happens? Obedience leads to victory. That God just went from being the guide in front of the people to being the guard behind the people. That God went from being the guide who was leading them out into the desert, out into the promised land, to being the guard who was going to protect them from the attacks of the enemy, from the fiery darts that Satan wants to throw at you. And oftentimes, we, allow, we don't allow God to be our guard or our guide, and therefore, he's not our guard. We look and we go, hey, we want to go this direction, and we plan our steps, and we have all these great ideas and thoughts to pursue, but the truth of the matter is, you're not pursuing what God wants you to do, you're pursuing what you want to do. And when you pursue what you want to do, you're not pursuing God as guide, and therefore, he's not going to guard your back end. But when I pursue God, when I follow him in obedience, then listen to me, he operates as my guide. Matter of fact, that's what's great about the children singing this morning. That's the whole point of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth, the maze of life, the difficulties that we face. And he makes them straight. And then listen, God guards his people. Now, oftentimes there's this misinterpretation or misconception that that means that you're never going to have a problem. You're never going to face a difficulty. You're never going to have pain. You're never going to have heartache. That's not true at all. When I'm talking about going from guide to guard, is he is guarding you against the attacks of the enemy. Listen, the people of Israel were delivered out of this, and God is going to guide you and guard you as you move forward in obedience to him. So, Do not ask God to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to move your feet in the direction of obedience. Do not ask God to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to do what he says. Do not ask God to guard your backside if you're wanting to go in your own direction. Because oftentimes that's what ends up happening and we end up having struggles and difficulties as a result. See, I can't help but think at times that the Lord resurrected something that was dead and instead of walking out of this tomb, we like to hang in there. Instead of walking out in obedience, we like to sit back and go, God, we're kind of good in here. It's comfortable. It's cozy. We're alive, but we don't have to deal with people. Why? Because we're isolated. When the truth of the matter is, he wants us all to interact with those who are lost, to share the good news of the gospel. God's deliverance from the hands of the Egyptians was a result of the obedience of the people. Mainly Moses, and Moses prodding the people of Israel to move forward. We can't experience victory if we aren't willing to be obedient. That's the biggest thing. Every problem is a possibility. Every pain is a possibility for God to come in and answer it. Every obstacle is an opportunity for God to show his power and deliverance. We just have to ask ourselves, is that the direction we want to go? John chapter 5, verse 24, and I'm going to wrap up with this. God has provided us his salvation and deliverance from the past through Jesus Christ. 
as far as the east is from the west. Jesus has removed our sins with his death, burial, and resurrection. But somehow, we continue oftentimes to want to return to the very sin that leads us into problems when you need to move forward. Listen to John chapter 5, verse 24. It says this, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has, listen, crossed over from death to life, just as Exodus chapter 15. Listen to what it says now. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground and a wall of water on the right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed. Keep in mind, 600 plus the rest of all of Egyptians, uh, or Egypt's chariots. And it says it followed them into sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army. And he threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from Israel. Keep in mind, he hardened their hearts until he would receive glory from the Egyptians. Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then it says that Moses stretched out your hands over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots. And Moses stretched out his hand and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it. And the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back, covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea and not one of them survived. Listen, when we put that in context and we understand what's going on in John chapter five, that you cross over from death to life, it plays this idea that I don't go back to doing what was dead. I don't chase after the sin. I don't chase after that past. I don't chase after those things, but I've crossed from death to life. And now I walk in freedom. Now I walk in obedience. Now I walk in the abundance of what God wants me to do because that's the passion he has for you. That the goodness of God is chasing after each one of us. And that as he chases after us, he's talking to you. He's talking to you through your spirit. And he's offering you a life, a life that is not what you were in the past, but a life that is better than you can even begin to dream or experience in the future. Simple fact is, do you choose to believe it? Father, we thank you for the goodness, for your kindness, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for this text that speaks life to us about walking in obedience and walking forward. God, I believe wholeheartedly that every human has stood in in some way, shape, or form on the shore of the Red Sea. And some, all they see is the problems in the past and they want to go back to Egypt. Instead of pursuing an unknown future, an unseen future with you, it's easier to go back to what we know. So Lord, today we pray that you would convict us, that your spirit would guide us. God, that decisions we've made, that, that, that the application from this is that we would learn a lesson and not return to the past you have, but we would walk forward in obedience into a future that you have that we know is a promise of an abundant future. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.